Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'an. Assalamu aleykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. Inshallah, this will be the first recording of the main section of this, uh, this pod- podcast series. We are going to start with the first word. The first word is the first treatise in the first book of the Risale-i Nur collection. The first book is the words, sözler, and it is composed of 33 treatises, which Bediüzzaman Said Nursi each called a word, so 33 words. This is the first word, and it is about what we as Muslims begin everything with. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. First word. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the Merciful, Ar-Rahman, the Giver of Mercy, Ar-Rahim. Wabihi nasta'in, and from Him we seek help. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Praise and gratitude be to the nurturing master, Rabb, of the universes, and blessings and peace be upon our master, Muhammad, his family, and his companions together. <coughs> Bismillah. Ey kardeş, benden birkaç nasihat istedin. Sen bir asker olduğun için askerlik temsilatıyla Sekiz hikayecikler ile birkaç hakikati nefsimle beraber dinle. Dear brother, you wanted me to give you some sincere advice. Since you are a soldier, join my soul, for I see my soul. The word here is nafs. In need of sincere advice more than anyone else. In listening to a few truthful lessons shrouded in these eight parables with illustrations from the military. So this is not a part of the first word. This is an introduction, which was probably, probably uh, written after the first word itself was written. And as far as we know, the uh, addressee in this introduction is Hulusi which Bediüzzaman Said Nursi called at some point to be his first student. However, we should understand here that this is not uh, necessarily an indication of chronology because we know that uh, Ustad Nursi wrote the first word actually before he met Hulusi He was in Sparta uh, very early on in his uh, stay in Sparta very early on uh, Hulusi Abi was a uh, an officer in the military in in the in a nearby base, and uh, he was mentioned about uh, Ustad Nursi, and he came and visited him. They met, and that started a long, long uh, life journey, uh, especially for Hulusi Abi, who died much later, uh, much later, uh, you know. Pr- to about 20 years, 20 plus years after Bedir Zaman Said Nursi. But he became a devoted student of Ustad Nursi and he continued throughout his life as such. Which means that if it take, let's say, 1930, uh, it's probably before that, but in 1930 as an approximate time for the beginning of this journey, he was a student of the Risale-i Nur for about 50 years. His name is Hulusi, coming from the same word as Ikhlas, and he is uh, said to have attained tremendous Ikhlas. 
he is said to have read the uh, Ikhlas treatise, uh, the treatise on uh, sincerity and purpose, more than a thousand times, which is normal because Ustad Nursi uh, recommends, even requires his students to read this treatise at least once every two weeks. Anyway, uh, Ustad Nursi is addressing here uh, all of us and his compulsive soul in the, in the person of the addressee, which probably is Khulusabi. And he is saying, you asked for some advice from me, right? which, which Khulusabi did. He asked many questions to Ustad Nursi and uh, Ustad Nursi's responses to those questions actually uh, constitute one of the books of the Risale'in or most of the, the um, treatises in the book Mektubat, the letters are responses to Khulusabi's questions and his inquisitive mind, his sincere desire to know about God and about the religion, right? Was the invitation for all that knowledge to come that Uzama Sayyid Nursi was the means uh, through which the information, the, the knowledge uh, was inspired. And we are the beneficiaries, alhamdulillah. Therefore, we owe, we owe to both of them. So when we, inshallah, at the end of this, uh, this, there's this um, lesson, this reading, when we recite Fatiha, we should have both of them in our intentions. Okay, let me read this again. Ey kardeş, benden birkaç nasihat istedin. Sen bir asker olduğun için askerlik temsilatıyla sekiz hikayecikler ile birkaç hakikati nefsimle beraber dinle. Dear brother, you wanted me to give you some sincere advice. Since you are a soldier, join my soul, for I see my soul in need of sincere advice more than anyone else in listening to a few truthful lessons shrouded in these eight parables with illustrations from the military. The, uh, what's meant by eight parables is the first eight words of the book words. And as we mentioned before, Bedouzama Said Nursi uses parables and metaphors a lot. He, he, he is teaching in his books. He is not only unpacking information, he is teaching and as a method of teaching, he uses parables and metaphors a lot. And this will, this will become more clear, clearer as we read uh, in the coming first word and the following words and throughout the Risaleen or inshallah. Uh, what is really important in this sentence is that he says, Ustad Nursi says, for I see my soul, nafs, compulsive soul or self, in need of sincere advice more than anyone else. This is Allah, God knows best, but this is probably the most important, most fundamental secret that um, rendered Bedouzaman Sa'id Nursi's effort to serve God, to serve religion, to serve faith successful. His addressee in the sentence is Khulusi but even before Khulusi his addressee is his own compulsive soul. He saw himself in need and knowledge, blessings come in accordance with the need and with the supplication for the fulfillment of the need. So Badu Zamas Ignorsi spent his nights standing up, praying sitting down, supplicating. Most of his nights, when he first went to Barla, when he was first exiled to Barla in 1926, the, uh, you know, the, the villages of uh, Barla tell us that they would hear him supplicating and crying at night, all night. Later on, uh, inshallah, if anybody who is listening to, to uh, these recordings goes to Barla and visits Bedouzaman Said Nursi's house 
in Barla, you will see that there is a, a huge plane tree right next to the house. Its branches extend, uh, you know, to the windows of the house. He had somebody put a little structure on that house, uh, on that tree. He had put somebody put a little structure, a wooden structure on that tree. At night, he would go from the window onto the tree and climb and sit on the structure and spend the whole night supplicating and praying there. He felt his need and the blessings of knowledge was inspired to him in response to this need. And this is also a secret of ikhlas, a secret of sincerity in purpose. He was not just uh, you know, trying to teach other people, in which some showing off, some conceit may, may, may be involved. Right? No, he was seeking knowledge. He was seeking knowledge and as a result of his sincerity in seeking knowledge, he was made the, as he sometimes calls himself, the interpreter of the Risale Inur, interpreter of the inspiration that is given to us from the Quran by God through the Risale Inur. And this is very, very important in trying to benefit from the Risale Inur too. What he says, I saw, I see my soul or myself in need of sincere advice more than anyone else in listening to a few truthful lessons in these eight parables with illustrations from the military. And you ask for some sincere advice, therefore listen, listen with me. In continuation he says, Vaktiyle sekiz ayetten istifade ettiğim sekiz sözü biraz uzunca nefsime demiştim. I had once told my soul, my compulsive soul, eight words that I had composed with assistance from eight verses of the Quran, which is why we consider the Risale Nur a, a, a Quranic exegesis, and I had kept them a bit long. This is uh, referring to a you know, small booklet that that Bedu Said Nursi had written in the period between between old Said and new Said when he was first probably when he was first exiled to, uh, exiled from eastern anatolia to western anatolia in 1925-1926 around that time and the booklet was actually lost but with Uzama Said Nursi had a, an enormous enormously powerful memory and he writes these first eight words later on to a large extent based on what he had written in that first uh, book. It is called the Nurun Ilkapis, the first gate of the Nur, the light or the uh, illumination, the, the first gate of illumination. Um, so again, what's important here is that he says, I told that to myself. First, and then he continues. Şimdi kısaca ve avam lisanıyla nefsime diyeceğim. Now, I will tell them to you. I'm sorry. Now, I will tell them to myself in simpler language that everybody can understand. So he had told it before he had told it uh, at length. And with a more complicated language, he is now going to tell it remember there's a pedagogical purpose being being uh, pursued here i will tell it more concisely and with a simpler language language again to myself and this is the last and important sentence of the introduction kim isterse beraber dinlesin whoever wishes they may listen with me right whoever wishes they may listen with me there is no compulsion in this Bedu Zaman Said Nursi is telling these um, or teaching these treatises to himself he's telling these stories in which information knowledge is shrouded he's telling them to himself whoever wishes they may listen with him and this is the secret 
of uh, the the success of his effort. Right? He is telling to himself. He is not telling to anybody. He is telling to himself. Okay. Between Jesus, the first word. Bismillah, her hayrın başıdır. Bismillah, in the name of God, is the beginning of all, all that is good. Biz dahi başta ona başlarız. And we too begin at the beginning to it. Now here the translation may sound a bit weird. As he says, we too begin to it. He doesn't say... Uh, we too begin with it and this is intended this is not random as we mentioned before in the introduction he uses words very economically and very precisely if you say something he means it if you read something in the Risale Inur know that he means it and try to understand what is the wisdom behind this usage Bismillah her hayrın başıdır. Bismillah is the beginning of all that is good. Right? And then, and we too begin with it. Not with it, we too begin to it. Right? Why? Well, first of all, he already started with, bism with Bismillah. He said Bismillahirrahmanirrahim at the beginning of the treatise. And the first word of the treatise itself is also Bismillah. He already started with bismillah right but now we are starting to it meaning that we are starting to learn bismillah and if we can learn bismillah as bismillah deserves to be learned we become a scholar mashallah if you uh, remember uh, it's related to ali radiallahu an all the knowledge in the quran is contained in Bismillahirrahmanirrahim and all the knowledge of Bismillahirrahmanirrahim is contained in the Ba of the Bismillah, the word Bismillah and all the knowledge in Ba is contained in the dot of Bismillah now there is a there is a secret in this that we may not fully understand but if you read the uh, exegesis <coughs> written on Bismillahirrahmanirrahim in the name of God, the merciful, the mercy giver. You can see that it keeps going on and on and on and it expands and exp it's, it's very expansive with an A, expansive. It expands a lot. And so you start to learn it. You never finish it. Okay. Bil ey nefsin, şu mübarek kelime İslam nişanı olduğu gibi bütün mevcudatın lisanı haliyle virdi zebanıdır. Realize, O my soul, or know, O my soul. This blessed phrase is a token of Islam and an invocation that all existence, all existence recites constantly with the tongue of their disposition. With lisan uh, had is the word that's used here. This blessed phrase, i.e., Bismillahirrahmanirrahim is a token of Islam. So what do we mean by token of Islam? A sign, a token of Islam. Now a flag, for instance, is a token. If you see a ship on the sea, you look and try to see the flag that it is carrying. When you see the flag that it is carrying, you understand that it is registered with the country whose flag it is carrying. So if it is carrying a um, Dutch flag you know that it is a Dutch ship so the flag is a token of its being Dutch right? it's a sign that indicates identity that indicates belonging so Bismillahirrahmanirrahim is a token of Islam when you hear people going around and saying Bismillah all the time, you know that you are among Muslims. You know, if you live in a Muslim country, 
in a relatively conservative community that has preserved the you know, traditions of Islam, let's say you hired a porter, the porter holds something for you, you know, from the street to your house, and then you come to your door, you put the load down, he puts the load down, you pull your, uh, pull, you know, some money from your pocket and give it to the porter, the porter will extend, will extend his hand and say, Bismillah. He will say, Bismillah, in the name of God. He will take in the name of God and you are expected to give, say Bismillah while giving it. You are expected to give in the name of God because you too both know that Al-Mulkulillah, property, belongs to God. It's not the money is not yours, the money is not his. It belongs to God. God is allowing us to use it out of his mercy. Right? So you, you know from the porter that you are among Muslims. You know from the porter, you learn from the porter something about Islam, God. And therefore this is a nishan, this is a token, this is a sign of Islam. There are other signs of Islam like the Adhan. If you hear the Adhan being called from the minarets, you know that you are in a Muslim country. Uh, Zaman considers fasting of Ramadan to be a token of Islam too. Because, you know, in a, if you go to a Muslim country, a Muslim community, let's say a Muslim community, in, in the month of Ramadan, you will see that the entire rhythm of life will change. In some countries, like for instance, Cairo, life will start after iftar, after the um, you know, evening breakfast, after people break their fast. At, you know, say, around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, you will start seeing every, all the stores being closed. Why? Because people need to go home, prepare for iftar. And then they're going to go maybe take a nap because they are going to spend the whole night, whole night awake outside or with friends. You, you see, the, the, the environment changes, life changes, you know that you are among Muslims. Therefore, these are all tokens of Islam. Bil ey nefsim, şu mübarek kelime İslam nişanı olduğu gibi bütün mevcudatın lisan haliyle firdi zebanıdır. And what comes after this is also very important. Realize, O oh my soul, this blessed phrase is a token of Islam, or as this blessed phrase is a token of Islam, it too is an invocation that all existence recites constantly with the tongue of their dispositions. What is the tongue of their dispositions? The language of their states of being. And, and what does that mean? Now, we, when we think of language, the first thing that comes to our mind is words. I am reading here, I'm talking here, I am uh, articulating words and they are being recorded and inshallah on the other end you will be listening to this and you will inshallah understand what I am saying. We are using words in order to articulate language and as a result of this, for human beings, what comes to mind when we say language at the first place is words, right? We communicate with words. However, language is not necessarily only words that are com composed of sounds. There's sign language, right? If I make a certain sign with my hand, that means thank you. If I make a certain sign with my hands, that will mean please, and so on and so forth. They teach these, and the sign language is of course for mostly for people who cannot hear, um, but they use these for babies too. Babies can actually communicate before they can articulate uh, words by using sounds in the proper way, before the muscles of their, uh, you know, tongues and, and lips and so on and so forth know how to articulate sounds, they can communicate if you teach them some of the sign language. So if they 
want more for instance you can teach them that the sign for more so you give them food if they want more they can uh, make the sign for more and then they can ask for more so is that language yes it is the means of communication the baby is communicating with you that she he wants more therefore language is not is not only sounds is not only phonemes is not only letters written on a piece of paper language is communication now what does it mean that everything in creation everything in existence is communicating bismillah bismillahir rahmanir rahim in the name of god the merciful the mercy giver how is it that everything in existence is communicating bismillah with the tongue of their disposition we will see Bedouzaman Said Nursi will explain this in the in the in this first uh, treatise of the Risale Inur, the first word. But even before we go there, we you know something that um, is inspiring, insightful for me at least, is that we should recognize when we say Bismillah, we are participating in something tremendous. When we say in the name of God, we are participating in something tremendous. It is a word. It is a phrase that is shared by all Muslims as a token of Islam and also by everything in existence as the constant invocation, as the constant, constant litany. Of everything in existence even the non-believer even the non-believers body organs the cells in in the non-believers body the atoms in the cells of the non-believers body are constantly invocating this litany of bismillah in the name of God in the name of God in the name of God in the name of God Bismillah ne büyük tükenmez bir kuvvet, ne çok bitmez bir bereket olduğunu anlamak istersen, şu temsili hikayeciye bak, dinle. Şöyle ki, If you want to understand what a great, unfailing force and what an unending blessing Bismillah is, pay attention to this small parable and listen. So what do we want to understand? We want to understand what a great and unfailing force and what an unending blessing Bismillah is. It's a phrase composed of a few letters or sounds. But when those sounds come together and become the means of the communication of a meaning in the name of God, it it attains it generates tremendous force and that is an unending force and there is enormous blessing there is enormous increase in good in it what does this mean if you want to understand that there is a man said Norsi Ustad Norsi says pay attention to this small parable and listen now, we need to remember here again, in the introduction he said, I felt myself in need and I told this to myself, you too listen with me if you wish. We should first, you know, compose ourselves and feel the need, it's tremendous force, a force that affects everything in creation a force that is shared by everything in creation a force that has influence over everything in creation and we as human beings are part of creation we live in the creation we depend on the creation everything in creation therefore we should feel that well that there is a need for us to have access to that force to have access to that force 
Listen. Bedevi Arap çöllerinde seyahat eden adama gerektir ki bir kabile reisinin ismini alsın ve himayesine girsin. Ta şakilerin şerrinden kurtulup hacatını tedarik edebilsin. Yoksa tek başıyla hadsiz düşman ve ihtiyacatına karşı perişan olacaktır. A person traveling in the Arab deserts or the Bedouin deserts need to needs to obtain the protection of a tribal chief. He needs to travel under the chief's name in order to procure his needs and escape harm, escape harm from bandits. Otherwise, countless enemies and needs will reduce him to a miserable condition. So, this is a fact. Um, even now, Even now, you go to, if you go to uh, areas where tribal life, life continues, like the Bedouin Desert, like the Sahara, or parts of the Arabian Desert, even now, even today, uh, in places where tribal life continues, if you are going to travel through those vast expanses of desert, you need the protection of a tribal chief or you need the protection of somebody that everybody else respects. If you don't have that protection, and this used to be the rule, things change now, but I think this used to be the rule, if you came across a tribe, if you came across a group of people, and if they, they ask you who you are, and under whose protection you are, and so on and so forth, you would, be, you would become, you know, Uh, an object of loot. They would loot you. They would take your possessions, even your clothes. They could enslave you and sell you as a slave. But if you are under the protection of a tribal chief or a person respected by all in the area, they would not do that because they know that if it's like it's like having an ID in some countries. Uh, you know, in some countries, because the state does not trust its people much you will see the security all around and the security will stop you in the streets and ask for your id if you have the id if you have the you know residence if you're not from the country um, they'll let you go if not they will take you to uh, the police station and, and start an investigation Now, you may have to stay there for a few days until they find out who you are it was worse though they would you at least you don't necessarily become an object of loot unless the, the, the police is not uh, honest. At any rate, this was the case. And if you had the protection, then they would know that you are under the uh, protection wings of somebody that everybody respects. And they would not want to have trouble with that person because protection, the word of that respected person would be a strong word. They would not want to mess up with that person and therefore they would treat you well. So this is our metaphor, right? This is our parable. This is a, an understandable example from real life. And see how Bedir Zaman Said Nusi is going to move from that onto a tremendous reality. Yoksa Tek başıyla hadsiz ve düş, hadsiz düşman ve ihtiyacatına karşı perişan olacaktır. So if this person uh, does not obtain the protection of a tribal chief, countless enemies and needs will reduce him to a miserable condition. İşte böyle bir seyahat için iki adam sahraya çıkıp gidiyorlar. And so. Two men went on such a journey and entered the desert. Onlardan birisi mütevaziydi. Now, pay attention here. There are two men. And this will be the situation in most of the earlier treatises. There will be two men. There will always be a choice. Right? Onlardan birisi mütevaziydi. Diğeri mağrur. One of them, one of those two men, was a humble person and the other was arrogant. 
mütevazi bir reisin ismini aldı, mağrur almadı. The humble one obtained a chief's protection, the arrogant one did not. Alanı her yerde selametle gezdi. Bir kata üt tarika rast gelse der, ben filan reisin ismiyle gezerim, şakıyı defolur, ilşemez. The one who obtained a chief's protection traveled safely all around in this way. If a bandit cuts his way, he says, I am traveling under the name of such and such chief. The bandit clears off, cannot molest him. Bir çadıra girse, o nam ile hürmet görür. If he enters a tent, if he you know, comes to a, an enclosure of tents, let's say, uh, an encampment of Uh, sorry, an encampment of tents, and he stands in front of one of the tents and says, Salaamu Alaikum. People come out of the tent and ask him who he is, and when they learn, they show him respect. Right? Bir çadıra girse, o namile hürmet görür. They will invite him into the tent and they will show him respect. They will serve him. Öteki mağrur, bütün seyahatinde öyle belalar çeker ki tarif edilemez. Daima titrer, daima dilencilik ederdi. Hem zelil hem rezil oldu. The other arrogant one endures indescribable troubles in the entire journey. He always trembles with fear, always pleads like a beggar. Why? Because anybody can cut his way and enslave him, take his possession. So whenever he sees people around, he has, he has to go and hide. He has to run away and hide. He always trembles with fear. When he comes to a, an encampment of tents, if they don't, you know, loot him, take his possessions, they will not show him respect either. They will not serve him. That way he has to beg. He has to beg for his life and livelihood. He has to beg for a you know, cup of water. He has to beg for a piece of bread. He was abased. He was arrogant, but he was abased and became an object of scorn. İşte ey mağrur nefsim. Sen o seyyahsın. Şu dünya ise bir çöldür. Aczin ve fakrın hadsizdir. Düşmanın hacatın nihayetsizdir. Madem öyledir, şu sahranın maliki ebedisi ve hakimi ezelisinin ismini al, ta bütün kainatın dilenciliğinden ve her hadisatın karşısında titremekten kurtulasın. <gülüyor> This is a very concise but very loaded paragraph. Short but really loaded paragraph. Well, my arrogant compulsive soul. İşte ey nefsim. Remember, Bediüzzaman Said Nursi is addressing his own soul first and foremost. You should listen to it as if it is addressed to your own soul. I should read it. I should listen to it as if it is addressed to my own soul. İşte ey mağrur nefsim, o my arrogant soul. You are that traveler. Now we are transitioning from the parable to the reality we are part of reality right? i am real what am i you are that traveler and also notice here that the first word is written as an exegesis as an interpretation of bismillahirrahmanirrahim right the uh, one of the verses of the quran I, depending on which school uh, we are going to follow or consider it is a part of either a part of each, each chapter of the Quran or it is a part of the Quran but not part of the chapters uh, but at the least it is in Surah Tawbah as a verse and therefore it is a verse of the Quran <clears throat> and this is an interpretation of this verse <clears throat> But beside that, Ustad Nursi, as he writes, if you, you know, know the Islamic tradition well enough, unlike me, 
if you read carefully, you can see that each you know, sentence or each paragraph, each uh, concept that is that he works with, you can trace it back to a verse or a, a tradition of the Prophet And here you can remember that the Prophet told us that the, you know, this the state of the believer, the state of a person in this world is like a traveler, right? Who travels the long journey and then stops in the shade of a tree, rests a little bit, that is the world, and then continues on. The world is like the shade of that tree, right? So Betuzaman Ustad Nursi here is saying, you are that traveler. And this world is a desert. It's a dangerous place. It's a place where you need to work to procure your needs. Your impotence, your powerlessness, and your neediness fakr, have no limits these are two very important key words in understanding the risale inur in understanding the path of illumination that Zaman Sahid Nursi has opened before us arts and fakr, impotence and neediness your enemies and needs are countless the next coming sentence gives us some clue about what impotence and neediness means in this context. Your enemies and needs are countless. Right? It's impotence. You don't have the power to obtain anything. Or you don't have the power to fend off any enemies. We don't. I don't. We are powerless. I, let's say, I have a cup of tea in front of me now. I took a sip. I needed to lift the cup, take it to my mouth, and tilt it with control in order not to spill it. And then I needed to take the tea in my mouth and swallow such a simple act but if if we think of it i do not have the power to do this i say i did this right my this is my hand my hand did it therefore i did it but do i have control over my hand i think of i intend i i send some signal to my hand to do this and my hand does it but what happens in the process thousands if not millions of chemical and physical reactions and interactions taking place through my muscles through my bones energy being um, calories being burned turned into energy and that being used into muscles and each and every muscle is being coordinated in precise ways and the nerves taking care of that and the blood flowing through the vessels of the the arm and carrying that energy to the muscles and then taking the waste car um, carbon dioxide that's being produced as the the calories are burned in the muscles and taking it away so it does not accumulate in the muscles did i do any of that was I, was I even aware of any of that? <clears throat> Did I produce the calories that went to my muscles? Did I produce the food? Did I convert the food into calories that can be used in my muscles? I wasn't aware of that. Did I produce the, let's say, uh, wheat or rice? That I ate, I had no control over it. I did not even see it being produced. It was not mine. The water that's necessary in order for the, uh, the, the, the blood to flow through and the cells to stay in the way that should, they should be staying and all sorts of other purposes. Did I create the water? No. Did I give the water the property to flow through my vessels? No. 
the act of me lifting the teacup and taking it to my mouth is connected to the entire universe. At some point, the water that I see as water now right, was hydrogen and oxygen. At some point, it was not even that. It became hydrogen and oxygen. Where? Allah alam, God knows. Maybe in some reaction in the sun, maybe even before that, some kind of a tremendous event that happened in the universe where the heat and pressure was so high that the subatomic particles were turned into the, the, the atoms that they were. And then on the earth, they started to come together in two hydrogen and one oxygen atoms came and combined, joined each other and became water. Do I have any control over that? No. Then how can I say that I drank tea? I am in need of all of these. I am in need of water. Maybe not tea. Or maybe I need, I'm in need of the tea too, but I am in need of water. If we you know, take it to the, the, the bare basic needs. I am in need of water. I did not create it. I need it. I am in the desert. It belongs to the owner of the desert. If I don't have his permission, I, I will not be able to obtain any water, any food, any air, any intellect, any energy, nothing. I am very, very needy. And as I said, you know, we will open this up more. And I am very, very powerless. I am as powerless as I am needy and I am infinitely needy. I need everything. We will understand why. I as a human being need everything. I as a human being am even more needy, needier than let's say a bird, than the piece of tile that I am stepping on than the tree, than the leaves of the tree. I, as a human being, am needier than everything else in the universe. We will understand this. Your enemies and needs are countless. Since this is the case, take the name of the... So now we are talking about reality, right? Right? I am real, I am powerless, impotent, and I am needy. Since this is the case, take the name of the eternal owner, Malik Abedi, and the ever-existent ruler, Hakim Azali, of this desert. Malik Abedi, eternal owner. There was no owner before him. There will be no owner after him. He is the one and only, and he is the one who, who controls everything. He is the owner and he is the one in charge. No one, no one can move a single thing on this, in this universe or on this desert without his permission or without his power. He is the one who moves everything. And he is the ever-existent ruler and he is the one who has the judgment here. And he is forever. He will never be gone. He will, he will never be non-existent. He will always be the one who passes judgment here, who makes the decisions here, right? Take his name. There might be others who claim to be chiefs on this desert. They are lying. He is the only one. He is the eternal owner and the ever-existent ruler of this desert. Take his name so that you can escape having to beg the entire creation and trembling before all happenings. Now, do we begin to understand what a great force, what a great blessing is in Bismillah? With Bismillah, 
we are taking his name, the name of the pre-existing eternal over, owner. We are taking the name of the eternal owner, Malik Ebedi, and ever-existing ruler of the desert. And when we take his name, we know that everything is in submission to him. We take the name of the one to whom everything submits. What does that mean? That means a power that's able to change everything, that's able to subdue everything, that's able to move everything, that's able to protect us from everything, that's able to procure all of our needs. Bismillah is not just you know a few uh, phonemes, a few sounds, or a few letters on a piece of paper. Bismillah, if we understand the meaning, is a powerful, powerful force. Okay, inshallah, I will stop here and uh, we will continue from this point in the next episode, inshallah. If you would like to go ahead and read uh, the first treatise of the Risale Nur, the one that we are reading, the first word, uh, you may go to the uh, download section of the webpage, uh, reflections rn.org and download uh, the words, the book in PDF form in English or Turkish or Arabic. Subhanaka la ilmalana illa ma alamtana innaka antal alimul hakim fa akhir dawahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Al Fatiha, as I mentioned at the beginning, let's have. Uh, you know, Bedu Zamasaid Nursi and Hulusabi. In, while reading this treatise, in our intentions as we recite the Fatiha, of course, along with the Prophet وسلم, our Master, and all the Prophets, or the righteous believers, all the Shuhada, all the martyrs, all the Mujtahideen, all those who um, codified the rulings of religion for us to make. It is easier for us to live our religion and all the believers who have passed away and whose souls are in need of the blessings that will come from this Fatiha. Let's have all of them, all of them uh, in our intentions, inshallah, and our souls too. We, we need these blessings. We all need these blessings from uh, Al-Fatiha. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والسلام